love. Preach one love. So, my cannabis congregation. Oh, I got some of my favorite family up here. Who should I call on first? Sister Andrea, please come up and testify. I got so caught up in what you were saying, I forgot what the question was. Yeah, I will repeat the question with love. What led you down the road to your cannabis connection? Oh, okay, so that's right. Um, so, like, I grew up in the 80s, too, and by the time I got to college in the 90s, like, normal was a thing, and I was in sort of a, well, what we thought back then was a woke sort of liberal type of education environment. Um, now we know different who it was founded by. But anyway, so I thought I was being a rebel, I think, even though I really didn't smoke cannabis at this time. I was following and researching and reading normal and doing papers and stuff like that. So when I wanted to get a tattoo my freshman year of college, I didn't want to be like everybody else and get a rose or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so if you see a picture like where I'm showing my tattoo that's on my chest and you zoom in real close, you might see a weed leaf back there. So that was my first encounter, like, or just kind of getting into it. Amen. But I didn't, I didn't actually smoke until like my third year in college, which was when I left college, was when the laws changed about financial aid. And I walked in the house with all my friends and was like, hey, let me hit that. And I've been a fan ever since. And And because this is a a worldwide community with people listening maybe for the first time, tell everybody where you're calling from. I'm in Virginia. And... And what stigmas did you have to overcome to get your cannabis connection and uh, to go, you know, just to help you overall there? So kind of like how Cheryl Friend said earlier, she was like, I, I told, so was feeling what she said when she was like, yeah, I don't want to do all that because I'm just used to it's just too much. And so first of all, like the older you get and the more you like embrace yourself and care less, like you don't want to do all that. You don't want to work all that hard. You'd rather chill out and not have the stress than to deal with the stress because then by the time you get the meds, it's like, okay, now I've used it all in like five minutes. But it just used to be more readily available and not so much of a big deal, even though it wasn't legal. I mean, like, literally when I say I walked in the house that day when I found out financial aid was changing, I didn't, I didn't like, freak out and panic and, oh, what am I going to do? Because stuff's just never been that serious to me. But I was overwhelmed and sad. I mean, any kind of, for an autistic person, any kind of change of plans or shift can throw you off if you don't deal with yourself on that because we don't like change. That's how we get comfortable and normalize in society is by having schedules and systems and we know what to expect and we know how to play the game. So when I walked in, I dropped my backpack like on the floor, like at the front of the door when I first walked in and everybody looked at me and I probably looked like I was about to cry. And there was like, I remember there being like a pile of weed on the table. And I remember there like always being a pile on the table around me, just with friends and family and just period, almost like <laughs> until I started smoking, it didn't become like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, you can't hardly get none now. Right. But right. it just wasn't a big deal back then. And then it was like, by the time I went to college and didn't finish college and went to the army and got out of the army, 
and like maybe a few more years, then it was like, okay, I, I need to deal with these other issues now that I have from being in the army and I'm not going to take all these drugs they're trying to give me. So let me go smoke. And um, it just was like, it's just hell and high water now to try to meet up with someone. And, you know, they say they're coming and they don't come and God, you know, God bless them because they might be in jail. You don't want to call too many times in case they are. It's just so much now. And it didn't really used to be like that. Mm, amen. Testifying. Ugh. Yeah. No, it, just ridiculous. And so everyone listening around the world and you're like, oh, yeah, America's got a freedom. No, it ain't. It ain't freedom. We do not have freedom. We do not have independence that we need. Uh, for cannabis, let alone, you know, all the other issues. But yeah, uh, brother Damien, I see you. Oh, please come up and testify. What brought you down the road to your cannabis connection? And we can come back to you, my brother. And anyone who comes up to testify, if you want to start with your pronoun, please do so. And always correct me if I mispronounce your name. Brother Angelo, you want to go? Flash your mic if you want to go. Okay, see, so you know I'm always open to conversation, darling. There we go, Cheryl. Ah, yeah, I'm, just I'm just listening in. So for me, it's always been a, a spiritual journey. So part of having a relationship with someone you love is being able to connect intimately and to connect spiritually by uh, sharing in this place, Right. You're able to open up to different places. So if you're a woman suffering from different pains, endometriosis, curvature of the uterus, all those various things that women may go through as they age or even as their bodies mature. So it may make it difficult for them to actually enjoy intimacy with their other, whoever it may be, just pain. So Having the ability to share this opens both up and makes it a better opportunity um, spiritually so they can connect and show each other the love. So if it were not for the sticky icky, it would be very difficult for me to have the intimacy with anyone. Amen. That's my Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Amen. That's well, it also help you. We got to witness it. Hope you will connect even further with your daughter. Oh, yes. We went to another place on that level. That's just, um, that's the beginning. <laughs> that's a consequence of being able to get from the core. So it's so funny. My oldest daughter has always known that her mother actually enjoyed, uh, you know, I like to finally call it the sticky icky, but cannabis or However you so term it. It's just a matter. Love, just like we got nicknames for our love, our loved ones. Yeah. <laughs> it's the sticky icky for me. So she's always known. Um, when she started her journey, me being the mom, I knew. I was just open to her to have that conversation with me. But we were able to get there after the loss of my grandfather. 
I'm smoking and I'm passing it to her because I understand she's going through the same hurts and it, oh, it's going to make us, uh, you know, get our minds to a place where it's a positive, remembering his, his, uh, hard work, the work he did for our family, how he pulled us together and taught us the ethic of hard work. So, you know, we're both in this place remembering my grandfather. So after that, <laughs> she's schooling me up. So Definitely a journey on uh, dealing with family and getting family to understand that it should not be looked at in a negative place at all, that it it provides that healing that we need spiritually, mentally, and physically. So if you can have that connection with family, making that clear, then please, please share that journey here with us on the first cannabis room on the green room. Mm, amen. Puff, puff, pass. Amen. You are preaching to the choir here, but you ain't passing just yet because we all got to witness you live. You know, you're talking about uh, learning from your children, which is just why you're our mama bear. And we love you so much because we all learn so much from you in this space daily. I know I don't speak for myself. Yeah, I see Mike's flashing agreeing with me. And and in that spirit, after after the wonderful guided meditation by Tranibus, Jamie, the other night, you re-woken your inner child. So cannabis has helped you kind of get in touch with your inner self in a whole new way, too. How's that? Oh, yes. A completely different release on a a spiritual journey inward. Unexpected, uh, I may add. I literally was able to pull in and look at myself when I had to be no more than three. I had a little yellow dress on. Oh, I was just a little cutie cutie. Little yellow dress on, a little yellow bow. And I could literally reach out and touch and remember who I was at that age. Oh, my dreams have even been uh, changed. They're different. I can vividly remember the mornings riding with my grandfather to the farm while he's looking over his tobacco crop, mind you, being in that long chair because we're back in the country now. So we didn't have the. Remind <laughs> everyone where you're calling from. <laughs> I am now in South Carolina, but I was raised in North Carolina. So I'm in Fort Mill, South Carolina now. But Spring Hope, North Carolina, Nash County area was where my grandfather had his farm. But just that the the awakening actually changed my dreams. I can vividly mm-hmm. remember those moments with my grandfather, those long conversations where he'd be going off about what he had to do or what wasn't getting done and how he was being mistreated. And I didn't understand everything that he was going through, but I felt it. As I began to grow older, listen to the stories, I began to have some you know degree of understanding where I could ask those questions. I just wished I'd been old enough at that time to be able to do something to change where it went. So it's touched me while I'm, uh, I'm awake, <laughs> and it's touched me in my dreams as well. Uh-huh. Spiritual awakening. Yes, darling. Grateful for the space. Learning a lot of different ways. When I talked to my daughter this morning and told her what happened, she says, Ma, you seem different. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Are you <Yeah>. happy? <laughs> like, no, it's not just that, darling. I said, uh, we've got a lot of work to do. I've got my big guarding bins outside. So she's going to come up and help Mama. Plant those seeds and sow that health. There we go. 
Mm. Now you you can now now give everyone a big uh, some big love and now you can say it. (laughs) You know, I am so grateful for this space to connect with all of my family. I really feel like you guys are walking in, sitting down and pulling up that chair to listen in, lean in, learn and grow together as a family. Because it's within family that you can drive those changes and really make a difference for the next generation. Because as I wait for my grandbaby, that's what I'm thinking about, the next generation. All love, darlings. Puff, puff, pass. Amen. Praise the holy plant. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. That's why we love. Oh, man. It's just your your voice is like a warm hug. And uh, like you said, uh, your, your gra- you felt like your grandma's spirit was giving you a warm hug the other night. We are blessed to have you as part of this community, Cheryl. Mm. All the love, all the love, brother Jiray, or Jiray, you, you better, you better correct me. Come correct and correct me on that. Tell me about your road to cannabis. Hey man, no, you said it right. It's Jiray. Um, I'm out here in the east coast of the United States. Um, so I'm actually in Connecticut. Uh, my first experience with cannabis was actually when I was in you know, seventh grade. <laughs> I, uh, you know smoked a blunt and I really enjoyed, you know, I was able to be present. Um, cause at the time I had a lot of, um, undealt with, I had undiagnosed depression and anxiety as well as PTSD. Um, and it really helped me come back into the moment. And I, I didn't, I, as a kid, I didn't really understand that just because I was told my entire life by people around me that, weed is weed's bad you know he's not something that can help you so I was very confused and I um you know I continued I, I steered away from it just due to that from a year, young age um and as I entered high school I, I began um you know experiencing really bad depression and uh you know just isolating myself and and I ended up abusing prescription pills my choice of my drug of choice was Xanax um as well as promethazine or lean quote unquote what some young people call it um and <laughs> I I was lucky enough to be able to get out of that headspace and understand to know that I don't deserve that um and I equate me getting off those hard substances with the use of cannabis and, you know, meditating and therapy and all of that. But I don't think I would be here today without, <laughs> without cannabis because there were, I was, um, you know, not, <laughs> I wasn't taking, I wasn't doing healthy things. That's all. I mean, I was, I was taking a lot of pills and, and drinking a lot of lean and it's just if you know anything about those two things it's not it's not good for your body and I was 14 at the time so you know it's it's not <laughs> it's not best so when I finally got into cannabis it was like wow this is something that makes me feel okay and it's not going to kill me because <laughs> I was abusing those substances and I really never even considered it to guide my life until I really found the first cannabis room on green room um, because I was introduced to so many different people who are doing so many different things from around the world. Like, you know, 
you, Casey, and Corey, and I was like, you know, I can, I never really even imagined myself doing something with, with cannabis because I was always told that, you know, it's it was illegal and, you know, it recently just got legal where I am, Connecticut. So, I mean, Woo! I was, <laughs> hell yeah. And I was thankfully, uh, I was thankful for this room that it was, you know, able to provide me more of an insight and gave me more of like a, a kind of like clear glasses kind of effect. Like, oh, I don't have to just be here. I can do whatever. Like, there's so much more to this plant than just, you know, consuming it. As much as I love consuming it for my own personal and, and medicinal reasons, it's, it's, Preach. it's just, it's there's so much more to it than people think um from at least from what i my subjective experiences um so this space has definitely provided me with with you know a safe space and and a way to articulate certain things i wouldn't be able to articulate in my normal life oh amen i feel that like you know being able to just talk openly about cannabis with y'all has been a uh freeing in ways i wasn't expecting the last two weeks i've been here since day one uh came in and was just like oh wow and then never left well i mean i left periodically but then the amount of time i was spending in this room just kept being more and more and more uh to the point where like i gotta turn you guys off like you were kind of like a nighttime chat box for you but then then Issy would join in from the philippines and uh gabby from florida and they get crazy deep and i'm like man i love a good deep conversation y'all were talking sacred geometry and sacred numbers the other night it was like oh man i just i can't go to sleep like i gotta turn you guys off just go to sleep because the conversations in this room are so diverse and keep coming back to cannabis but uh you know business uh just it's all over the place if you're not spending if you're not getting what's going on in the first cannabis room or green room it's because you haven't spent enough time in there to understand and listen because, you know, we don't learn without listening. Otherwise, we're just talking over each other and talking to each other, right? So uh, flash your mic there, Angel, if you're ready. Brother Damien? Oh, Angel. Yes, sister. Mm, what better name, what better wonderful human to bring up to testify? Tell us about your road to cannabis. You know, my experience with finding cannabis and the use of cannabis in my daily life Um it's nothing miraculous, but it is so helpful for me. You know, my life without cannabis, um, I mean, it's fine, fine dandy life. Um, I'm a generally happy person. Um, I'm, I'm a bit high strung. Um, it takes me a lot to relax. Um, I didn't know that I was walking around with such tension and physical pain because I have an immensely high pain tolerance. I didn't know that I was in pain walking around, like working, standing 18 hours a day and like just pushing my body to extremes. I love to, you know, see how far I can bike, how fast I can climb, how long I can do X, Y, Z. And I just didn't know that I was actually hurting until like I kind of needed something to like clear my head. And then I really, really started turning to using THC. And that that was super helpful. And then I started incorporating CBD with it. And to, to go from living just a fine life, but actually like being like having suppressed pain in your body, to like being able to actually manage that pain, acknowledge it, 
you know, move forward from it, heal from it, listen to your body and slow down when you need to kind of thing. And, and that's, that's really my biggest benefit from cannabis. And, you know, my, my life is great without it. It is 10 times better with it. And that's, I'll leave it at that. Mm. Amen. Yes. Oh, the healing health of the plant, plant power, plant medicine. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Speak it, Angel. Damn, I love you, girl. That's truth. That's, look, I was just telling you all the story yesterday. It's one of the reasons, I'm so, probably one of the reasons my back hurts so much today is because, like I told you guys, yesterday we're live here in the first cannabis room on Green Room, and we were all chatting, like, when I came back and how tired I was because I had to walk it's a pretty, it, it's not a long haul, but long enough haul from the bedroom, which is on one end of the house, all the way to the other end of the house where the kitchen is. And so having for, you know, had not smoked anything and being out of CBD for a good several weeks, uh, other than, you know, my own concoctions at home, which doesn't, isn't enough people is not enough, you know, do your research, figure out what works best for your body. That's what Angel's talking about. This is a personal experience for every single one of us. We use it differently. We ingest it differently. We digest it differently. We consume it differently when we inhale it. We all act differently. It's a personal journey. Cannabis is a journey. That's exactly what it is. Cannabis is a personal journey for all of us to figure out what works best. And well, you know, it had been a while and two hits worked really well. <laughs> Praise the holy plant and yeah i forgot i was feeling so good i was walking up and down that hallway without my wheelchair too many times i should know better and then that wiped me out and uh i had to push myself and using my arms my neck is worse than my back is one of the reasons i'm ooh, suffering this morning but flash your mic if you want to come up because brother gill is in the house oh my goodness call it from israel i love it uh, is Angelo there? Are you ready there? Uh, Andrea, you still listening? You, you ready to go? Johnny, Molly, what's up? Who wants to go? Who wants to come up and testify? I'm Andrea. here and I went already. I can drop down so somebody else can come up. I see some of our peeps in the, um, and I yeah, let's make some room 12, for some more so family. Much down. love. Much. Brother Gil, tell us about your road because mm, it's a good story to cannabis and how you're moving forward down that path. Well, I'll share the beginning and the end. All the middle, you guys will have to follow up on a different uh, show because otherwise I'll hog the stage for too long. Uh, starting in, bro. back in, in <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Starting back in, you know, in 2000 or uh, 1999, actually. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and lost 37 kilos of my weight in about three months. I was hospitalized in a military hospital and no medicine seemed to have had any positive impact on me. Basically, the doctors thought that I'm going to die there. One of the doctors, uh, a reserves military doctor, who came to uh, serve once a week as a gastroenterologist at the hospital, took me aside and gave me five roll joints and told me, listen, try this, it might work. I had no clue uh, about what to expect. I had no clue what it's, what it means it might work. I just took the first joint and smoked it all, and then took the second one and smoked until I got really, really, and I mean 
really high. Whoever <laughs> says that it didn't get high on the first time they smoked, didn't smoke enough or didn't smoke the right stuff. I was high as a kite. I was munched out of my mind, <laughs> and I didn't have any pain. And so yeah. for the first time in three months, I went to eat. I went to the kitchens there, and I, and I knocked on the door because it was 5.30. And you know the Army. They're very strict with the, with the hours. And it, it was like 6.30 was dinner time, and 5.30 was unacceptable. It's unheard of that somebody will be asking for food at this time. <laughs> you know, even though it's a military hospital. Never mind that. I kept on pushing, and they said, well, it's the Army. What we know how to do is to give you some spread before. So they gave me a loaf of bread and some chocolate spread and told me, enjoy this until we open, you know, the kitchens and, and you know, service starts. Um, a bit before the hour was done, I was done with the entire loaf of bread and chocolate spread. And I don't know how my face looked when I was pushing the door as the first soldier in to take food, but I was still hungry. So <laughs> I ate and yes. I ate some more. And then I went to the, the gastroenterologist telling him, hey, it worked. I smoked like a joint and a half and I ate. How's this supposed to work? How long is this supposed to, you know, last and whatnot? And he goes like, well, first of all, if you ate so much, smoke a bit more. Second, I'll feed you five of those small roll joints three times a day while you're hospitalized here. And three, please, please keep it between us. Okay, that, that seemed fair enough, obviously. I forgot to mention, I did have uh, in my same room uh, of the military hospital a guy that was uh, at the same hospital, but he came from the military prison to get treated. So he was connected about 12 hours a day to a military police officer for the other 12 hours a day tied this guy to the bed and just stayed around the same room and within very very close vicinity so um after bribing him with one joint a day to keep quiet it went <laughs> well uh <laughs> to be honest it's a cannabis world it's not a cannabis friendly world man you got to do what you got to do for your own health yeah Hey, I did what I had to do, and a week later, I was, you know, home for the first time for the weekend, which was amazing. But I went to my GP, and I told him, listen, uh, you know, this military doctor dude gave me some joints and cannabis, and it helps. And my doctor, my GP, goes and says, like, you know, it's illegal, but I'm not opposing it. So if it helps, all good for you. Monday morning, I'm back at the army at the military hospital with a visit to my doctor. And I told him, listen, I spoke to my GP and he said that he doesn't oppose it. And, you know, that it's not legal, but he's not opposing it. Now, my, my military doctor turned two shades paler than the wall that was painted white a day earlier in his office. Picked me up about a foot in the air. <laughs> And screamed to my face, I'm trying to save your life. Why are you trying to destroy mine? Oh, my God. I was dumb. I was young and naive. I had no idea. And I didn't think of the implications of if my GP would have said something. Because this guy saved my life and was about to face an immediate 
no questions asked, 20 years jail time for providing me cannabis in the army. Ah. So obviously I kept it a secret from that moment on. And uh, now that it's uh, past the statute of limitations, I can share the story. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's how I got onto cannabis for the very first time. I have not had any prior experience myself. I had many friends who used it. I never found found it appealing earlier. I grew up in a household that was very anti-drugs. You know, cannabis will lead to heroin and all that crap. And very patriotic household. So, you know, you have to go and serve your country. So after I served my country in the military and was released for medical reasons, I continued to serve my country until I was uh, released in the end uh, with honors after completing my full service. And uh, this thing that, you know, this little thought that it can't be, I mean, the world cannot continue to exist in a way that this medicine helps me and I'm a law-abiding citizen and it's against the law. So something must change. It's either I'm going to die or the law is going to change. So there you go. That's what's going to change. And I just started working at it. And, and I applied for a, a license from the Ministry of Health and started working with the Greenleaf Party, who were the first guys to pick up the, the legalization thingy, you know, kind of movement. It wasn't even a thing back then. And uh, carried the medical cannabis and moved on. And, and actually, four years later, in 2004, I was the first licensee in Israel to receive his license without having to go through the courts. And uh, this opened up the, the gates for many more patients to apply directly with the Ministry of Health without the, the added costs of going to court and get licensed. So I was patient number seven licensed to use cannabis in Israel, the first to have had a um, sort of a cooperative uh, where I grew for, I cultivated and gave away cannabis for free for patients who needed it. So it was basically a compassion club that was approved by the Ministry of Health. And at that point, when we expanded this and, and some volunteers wanted to take on this cultivation thing and go make bigger farms, I decided that as a patient, I'm much more equipped and adequate in educating patients and family members and doctors and nurses and everybody about the cannabis and how it actually helps people rather than growing it because I'm a patient. And and my focal point was that if it can help me, it can help others and it should. And so I took on the education uh, front and I've been uh, dealing with cannabis education ever since, both on the personal level of a patient to patient and on a much bigger scale of building educational systems for cannabis companies, including all of the employees from C-level down to the last employee and the cleaning lady, because everybody needs to know how to answer people's questions. Everybody needs to know how it all interacts together. And everybody needs to know that we're not miracle makers and we're not doctors. We're just people trying to help other people with whatever means are available to us. And sometimes we make mistakes and that's okay. As long as we carry it 
as long as we are responsible enough and we are um, admitting the mistake and are responsible for whatever implications it had. And a lot of the times those mistakes will implicate people's lives. And, you know, people are not uh, in the tendency of forgetting if you uh, failed them. But if you kind of told them from the get-go, we might make mistakes together. I'm not going to fail you. I'm not, I'm not going to lose you or leave you along the way. If we make a mistake, we fix it. But we're going through a journey. It's not one singular spot in which we met and, and now I'm helping you. And from this moment on, I'm letting you free and, and ran, run your own business. If it's an education system, then it needs to include feedback loops and, and all of that. So with, that's where I came from. And where I got to over the years was that um, a lot of this industry is suffering from misunderstanding, not only of how cannabis works and how people can use it and how people can make the best benefits from it, and not only from the perspective of politics and how do we explain to politicians that what they're doing is just wrong, both for themselves, their constituents, and us as a general public. Because of the way, even the ones that are supporting cannabis right now are doing it in very, very bad ways and in, in, in a very bad operating manner. Um, starting with calling it the Mar Medical Marijuana Act or Marijuana Act instead of cannabis. But moving on from that and, and to where I am today, I'm focusing on terpenes and how terpenes education and the research of terpenes can, can impact all of us. Because a lot of the patients um, that I know are suffering and even though they're all looking for the THC and CBD ratios and, and different strains and different genetics and whatnot and different products, in the end of the day, a lot of these products that cost them a fortune don't give them the most benefits or the most value because it doesn't work for them or it's not tasty or it's not good for the palate or the side effects, the perceived side effects are not the ones that they wanted to have. So basically, it's a lesser um, medicine that it should be. And I do believe that terpenes can change all that, and the information about terpenes and knowing the terpene profiles and finding the right matches of profiles to, to you personally, because all cannabis is personalized medicine can be key to the future of uh, personalized cannabis medicine. And uh, that's where I am uh, right now, doing a lot of research on the topic, um, experimenting with little uh, projects of uh, products and uh, sub-profiles and uh, collaborating with many other companies uh, to produce their own formulations for them based on my knowledge and expertise and experience. And all this time focusing on patient education and cannabis education, both to those companies and to others, because we all need that. And, and actually going in the first cannabis room on the green room and before that, a bit on the rooms that were on Clubhouse uh, about a week or two earlier, I came up with this new thought 
that that became a new uh, beginning of a new reality, which is that we need better information and we need access to this information in a way that can benefit all patients and all uh, dispensaries and or pharmacies. And I do believe that the key is uh, large data sets of people with the feedback loops saying, listen, I am this type of person um, for example, a 34-year-old Caucasian with diabetes type 2 from age of 7 and uh, uh, colitis that just started a year ago and I'm getting uh, cannabis for my colitis. And these strains, when I tried them over uh, the past month, have actually gotten me to be very, very well with my colitis. However, I also noticed from the questionnaire, because that's how the feedback loops work, they answer questions, that actually my insulin intake has reduced by 30%. So this insight may lead to a recommendation to other patients who suffer also from diabetes type 2 and colitis and are males and Caucasian and around the same ages to try the same strains that he tried that helped him. And the wider the data sets we have, the more accurate recommendations we can make in the end for patients and for the general population that wants to choose their journey and not just to smoke weed. I mean, in the beginning, in the old dark ages of cannabis, all we could get from the dealers was weed. Later on, it was sativa or indica and still weed. Today, it's branded or labeled sativa and indica. It's labeled the strain name and whatnot. It is somewhat regulated. And yet, we are so far away from really knowing and really having insights as to what helps us. So I took that on as a new project that I'm promoting on top of the terpene business that I have with the family. And I'm uh, really hoping that uh, this room, these people here, the, these wonderful souls around me will come and participate, each with their own two cents, to build this several, several dollar operation that will bring a lot of value for everybody. And uh, I'm Gil, I'm from Israel. And I'm out. You know, I'm down, Gil. Just ask me, and I'll be there. Brother Jared is here from Humboldt area. Mm, that's clearest I have heard him come in. Yes. Well, you got the Wi-Fi working? You flying high? Yes. Well, I'm, I'm trying to keep, you know, this app is talking in, like, little segments of 10 seconds gotcha well that's why i didn't call you up to uh testify because of your wi-fi <laughs> uh, <laughs> but hey yeah amen gil Look, i was super busy this morning i'm sorry i couldn't make it earlier it was killing me but i will definitely be there next so um 
day, and I'm glad everyone. Fun people. Jared, darling, we're not getting anything that you're saying, and we really do want it. So, <laughs> but and that's the great thing, you know. Yeah, we we're going to get him some better Wi-Fi and some better service out there because, uh, see, uh, uh, man, I almost didn't segue. Thank you, Gil, brother Gil, love you. Yeah, can't wait to get more of your story. Uh, on the full podcast later down the road. So yes, 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 brother. Thank you for coming up and testifying. Thank you. Brother Jared's in the house now, everybody. Uh, he is the owner of Las Coast Wellness. They are the sponsors of the first cannabis room on Green Room that help kind of keep the ship running in the background. Uh, one of the amazing human beings I am just blessed to have messed, met through here through conversation so that I never expected to come on just some social media app that, you know, made me laugh because it's called Green Room and Spotify sent it to me. And I've been podcasting for 10 years. So I'm like, oh, well, that, my, my high ass is downloading that. But he's got a wellness retreat coming up at the end of July. This is exactly what I'll be talking. I've been talking about all day and independence Get your own independence. You need the independence to learn how to grow cannabis properly by professionals that I trust now that I've been on here so long to learn what's going to work best for your own proper health because it's your personal journey of cannabis. That's that's what this is. I keep talking about this is your personal right, your independent right, your human universal independent right to have the freedom to get the knowledge because knowledge is freedom, right? Education is freedom to learn how to get cannabis. We need properly make it ourselves properly, grow it ourselves properly. So we know exactly what we're putting in our bodies because I know with my fucked up health, I need to know what's going in me at all times. I just can't deal with no processed food, no dairy, no uh, gluten, you know, uh, Andrea knows what I'm talking about. She's always preaching about that, but flash your mic if you, are ready to come up next, Trina. Oh, oh, brother Damien. Hey, Great Casey. Hey, everybody. I'm not even going to introduce you. Introduce you and tell everybody where you're calling from, and you just go down that road. So I'm going to try something first. If you haven't, try refreshing your screen, and you should see the starting point of my story or where we're going to start today. I don't know if my avatar, if I don't know if PRT is a thing or PTR is a thing, but I think yes, I, you're in pink in one and white in the other. Yeah. So mm, nice. My name is Damien Legacy. I'm coming live from East Thetford, Vermont, on the Connecticut River between Vermont and New Hampshire in the United States. It's 1.30 in the afternoon. And um we're talking cannabis and church, so that's pretty much my story. <laughs> um, I started uh, my life um, in a family where uh, expectations of what you were to be were strong uh, and 
just certain there, there, there was a right way to go about life and a wrong way to go about life. And the, um, cannabis was always included in the wrong way to go about life when I was growing up. And a lot of the male-bodied members of my family, uh, who were my generation, went to become police officers. Uh, I have many cousins who are still active law enforcement officers. And um, my undergraduate degree was in criminal justice uh, to follow follow the family line, right? Um, but policing just wasn't for me it was i just in my bones i knew that it wasn't what i was supposed to do uh and so to get out of going into the police academy i went into a different academy altogether uh, i pursued seminary uh, i was uh ordained a deacon at 20 uh and spent a year my diet my transitional diaconate uh as a critical care and hospice chaplain at a specialty hospital in Washington, D.C. Um, my secular traits throughout studying, I was a paramedic. And so I was very familiar with the fire service and public safety and all that stuff. And so after the hospice chaplaincy and my diaconal year ended uh, and I was ordained to the priesthood, um, I was assigned to uh, be a fire chaplain. Uh, because I understood the culture, I understood, right, like, and I could be of service, right, if if really there needed to be, and there was one occasion where there wasn't an EMT in the house, but the uh, we got an, an ambulance call, and, and I was there, and being a fully trained emergency medical technician, and uh, being fully certified, I responded to the call, but I had forgotten that I was in my clerical collar. So uh, <laughs> the gentleman was like, oh, my God, this isn't a priest. This must be real bad. And I was like, well, it's not as bad as you think. I'm here to help on both, you know, both fronts. But um, I ended up uh, at one point having seven firehouses under my care um, across three counties in southern Maryland. Uh, I created an extensive network of uh, chaplaincy and citizen support for the fire and paramedic and EMS services, uh, in those counties. And, um, through that, I guess, got noticed by well, somebody in the church, uh, and was the youngest person to be consecrated a bishop, uh, and given jurisdictional authority over a geographic area. Um, and so my service in the fire and EMS ended uh, because I had a lot more responsibilities, uh, as it were, um, being, you know, not just a father at that point, but, but now a father to fathers, you know, priests to priests. Um, I was north of 300 pounds, right? I stopped getting on the scale. <laughs> I think everybody can relate, you know, to, to that in some way, right? Like I can say with confidence, I was 300 pounds because that's when I stopped weighing myself. Um, so it could have been more than that. Um, and the identity stripped me 
of my individuality. Not only did I not know who I was, it didn't matter. I was just the bishop. And when I looked in the mirror, that's all I could see. I had no idea who I was looking at, who was looking back at me. How could it be the same person? The experiences of, you know, body dysmorphia is not just for people who are transitioning or, or who are transgendered. It, it happens when you fluctuate weight. Um, traditional therapies and pharmaceuticals and pastoral counseling and the way that I was supposed to go about things was killing me. It was on the wrong medicine. It was adding weight. I was drowning in depression and fat and, and just, just so utterly alone. You went alone with this family. It was the end of the rope that made me finally put aside everything that I had ever been taught because there was a person who said, hey, I, I, I know what you're feeling. And this is how I overcame it. It's worth a try. And so it was a little bit later that I was at a friend's birthday party, actually, where I, I wasn't, you know, uh, when I, at that time in my life, when I was in a room, people were watching, right? Um, and so there was no sneaking away to go take a puff of something, right? So choices had to be made, and it was a very informal environment it was a very i i was free to not be in the spotlight and and to trust the experience of the person that i listened to and um, the opportunity had presented itself to try cannabis and i did and i never looked back because what cannabis did for me sort of as a patient testimonial, is it did help me fight my depression. And I had severe depression and PTSD from 10 years in the fire service. Cannabis allowed me to feel like I could at first sort my thoughts, not get anxious, or cause myself to panic in my own head. Um, and then it slowly led to other wellness decisions. Well, if I'm intentional about this as medicine, if this is helping me in this way, what else can I be intentional about? You know, I was still gaining weight early on. So, you know, oh yeah, the munchies. Well, no, you were eating before you were smoking. I was. So make a different choice. So instead of potato chips, I chopped up cucumbers 
they were crunchy. They were full of water. They attacked my cotton mouth. I got to eat when I had the munchies, right? I didn't deny myself that experience. But it was a wellness choice. I'm 125 pounds down. I'm back to a healthy, stable weight. I've left the city and mainstream religion that held me down. I live on a farm, an open farm in, in beautiful Vermont, where we have a hand in all of the food we eat. The air is fresh. There's no noise. There's no light pollution. Cannabis did that. Cannabis inspired one choice, which inspires another choice, which inspires another choice. By all accounts, I was at the top of my field, right? There, there, there's no rank higher, for lack of a better word. And yet I was so just desolate isn't even the right word. <laughs> and I think the picture that I chose for Cannabis Church today I think it, it, I kept it for a reason. And it's because I'm not smiling. I look at this picture and see the beginning of the darkest time in my life. Not because I found the faith or the religion oppressive, faith is still very much a part of my life. But cannabis helped me understand that I'm the one telling my story. I'm the one in control. It's not going to just happen. Having faith is a good thing. It means that you believe in tomorrow. Cannabis helped me believe in a different tomorrow. One where I was healthy and happy. In control of my life. One where I recognize myself in the mirror. One that helped me find a way to incorporate healthy ritual practices. And to heal. This is the first time I've ever shown up in a cannabis space intentionally sharing a picture of my past as a cleric. But it is a part of my story. It's a part of how I got here. And if this is church, then all I can do is say that I am so grateful for it. God gave, God take away, blessed be God. Because when he took away what I thought was what was going to be the rest of my life, he gave me a whole new adventure, a whole new story, a whole new just community of, of dreamers and doers and educators and people who get it, people who have their own stories and their own healing. So, Casey, Corey, Jared, Oystein, thanks for holding the space, the first cannabis room and the green room, 
Cannabis Makers Podcast, Down the Road Show Podcast, this Canna Church, right? These communities of take it from somebody who spent a lot of time in the pews. People in the churches typically are praying for themselves and their own needs. I've never felt more support than being around you all. And that's why I'm comfortable sharing my story here. So I'm just grateful for this fellowship, for this communion, for this moment together. Because this is the sacrament, right? The fellowship that says you're not alone. That's what this is about. And I can't think of anything stronger than cannabis to facilitate relationship, to facilitate community, to facilitate help and strength and vulnerability. That's me. That's my story. And cannabis has allowed me to say I'm proud to tell it. My name's Damien, and I'm just so grateful for all of you. Uh, I'm just going to let that sink in for everybody for a second. Whew. I don't know about you, KC, but I don't think there's a dry eye in the in the room right now because uh, Damien, you're touching, man. And just know you're never alone in this community. It's all about sharing and caring, and sharing is also sharing the burdens and caring for one another. So I'm so glad you shared, and thank you for that. Um genuinely uh at a loss for words amen 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 hey guys this is trina hey how's my trina, family yes. how's my family can i can i just say something to damien um i wanted you to know i've been here with my family cooking and i had to stop doing what i did to to listen to really like be present and Damien, you are such a strong man, physically, mentally, to step out from your depths of depression and being alone to seek your truth of healing. And that really, really, really touched me because sorry guys that I haven't been around, but I've been dealing with uh very emotional take your time take your time you're with family we're waiting for you to testify yesterday was my brother's passing my brother was 20 he was killed and um it's always really hard around this weekend for my family and so i just had to like withdraw from everything you guys and it breaks my heart my brother was like such an amazing kid and he smoked with my parents and he was killed in a car accident and I was out of state and I had to fly back and 
be there for my parents and my brother and my family. So it's the reason why you guys haven't seen me because I needed my time. And my family's here today. We're trying to, you know, really be together and honor my brother and my father. And so when Damien was telling me, when he was preaching his testimony, it really hit my heart. I had to stop. And I'm always trying to, like, carry everybody in my family with all of this heartache. And, you know, me, myself, I had a stroke four days after I delivered my daughter and I was fighting for my life. And Gil, you know, I know what it feels like to fight for your life and not be so fucking medicated that they're trying to take away our power. So it's just been really emotional last few days for me, you guys. And we're all here to heal together. We all are. It's not about one person or one thing. It's about all of us taking the step forward together because we're stronger together. And I'm just really trying to make it through this weekend. I just need a relief. Because I'm oh, strong. Great. I'm always we're strong for, for everybody else. We're here for you, darling. We are definitely here. Thank you. Take that Thank space you. and that time. You always have Thank home you, to come sister. back to to get it out. Yes. Thank I'll you, love sister. you, darling. I know. I was, I'm sorry, you guys. I have to release because I'm strong for everybody. And who's there for me, right? We're here right now. Let it out, darling. All of us, and you need to release. And you know what? Oh, Let it go. Release and purge of those emotions is perfectly human and natural. And nobody should ever shame you for that because that's the patience you need for your inner self to heal as well. And that's what cannabis provides is the patience for us to shut the fuck up and let you get that purge on you. Go. <laughs> yes, exactly. Casey, thank and, you so much. And, you know, Trina, I, I understand the feeling of needing to be strong for, for other people. So, um, yeah, I, I, I hate 4th of July weekend in the United States. Um, it, it, Me too. It's, so, I'm trying um, to stay positive. I'm trying to stay positive, but it just Sarah. brings back so much. Like, like every hour of what was going on and I had to get a flight and I had to be there for my parents who's falling apart. Who's, <sighs> no parent should ever have to bury their children. It's not natural. And so... You know, I'm a mom, and Cheryl and I know we're the mama bears, and we just know how this feels. And like when my daughter turned 20, I was praying because I was thinking my brother never made it past 20. And I was just like praying to him to be the angel for my daughter because they're just so like, you know, this is just not natural. I've had so much loss, and then I almost lost my life four days after I gave birth to my daughter. And that's what changed my life because my parents started making me edibles and they were like drugging me up on so much shit that I couldn't even like feel that I just had a daughter and I already was, should be celebrating. And I was so heavy drugged up on so much shit. I had three blood clots in my brain and I went blind and I had seizures and I gave birth four days later all in one week. We regained my health and my mom and my dad, actually it was my dad. My dad was like the best ever. And he just said, I'm going to 
start making her heal. I can't talk anymore. I just want to say thanks for sharing, right? Like as somebody who sits, who has sat with with people in all different kinds of so here's the thing about about priesthood, y'all. In a single day, I experienced what most people went through in a lifetime, right? I would be either with, you know, baptism or marriage in the morning and, and be anointing somebody in the afternoon and have a funeral to do in the afternoon, you know, later that day. And and so and so you I, I just by speaking it, even here, just in this sort of virtual space, by having a place where you can talk about what is burdening you, you're unburdening yourself. You're naming it. You know, it's something that you may have carried with you for a long time. But at some point, at some point, you'll be able to say, I feel like I can rest. I feel like I can set this down now. And until you name it, you never know what the it is. And so by by being here, by being able to share and and to find camaraderie and stories and find support, like just know that like it you're never burdening us. You're unburdening yourself. And that's that's all I think any of us want for out for each other. So as much is you need to share. Please do. Thank you. Hey, Amen. So much Brother family. Thank you. you know that. You know. Uh, oh, hey, Rick. I'm, how you doing? Welcome to the room. Good morning. Good morning. So I'm kind Trina, of much, much love, much love, Trina. Thank you for getting up here. Yeah, I'm kind of a perspective person, Trina, and. I'm just going to talk to you. I've had lots of death in my life. I was a rescue person that rescued people and I've been sued over death. I've been all these different things and it's, it's a weird place. It's kind of an interesting place for me as I traveled like all over the world. I kind of like got involved in a lot of so-called funerals. And I think it's kind of bizarre how, um, how we treat funerals or deaths in, in the West compared to people, indigenous people of the lands. And, you know, for some reason, death brings a lot of sorrow and pain, and, you know, all that kind of stuff that, you know, shows up with it. Some of that is self-guilt, I think, for not, saying whatever you could say when they were alive. But the other part is just how we treat it. Um, this country, we get dressed in black. Other countries get dressed in color. Other countries have gigantic parties around the death because it's a releasing of the soul back to itself. And it's able to soar and have great things. They remember all the great times they had together. They remember all the holding hands and laughter and the joy that person 
brought to the table. Here, we look at what we're missing. We look at, you know, what the loss was. We look at, you know, that this person died too young or, you know, we, we try to find fault in that death. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, children that die and, you know, and then you, if you do it the same way with them, it doesn't really work too well. And there's a loss for, you know, a parent losing a child. It's a deeper loss than most can handle. But, you know, that child came for a reason. They did, you know, the joy they brought is really the celebration. It's a celebration of life, not a loss of life. They live, you know, we're, none of us are guaranteed a day. We're not guaranteed a week and we're not guaranteed a week or a year or anything like that. All we know is that every day we wake up and that's a good thing right there in itself. So I would just like you to honor your brother. And I think that your brother would not like you to have this much pain around him. I really don't. And if you can bring that to your space and your parents and your daughter and celebration of life around this day, you'll be rewarding your brother every day. That's just the way I look at it. Thanks thank for sharing. You, Rick. That's Amen. such a beautiful perspective. Amen. And thank you so much. And I thank you, you guys, so much because I really needed to release. And we lost my dad. And I know my dad was ready to be home with my brother. And so my brother, my dad was never the same when my brother passed. And it was his only son. So thank you so much for Damien, when you brought that story, it just hit me so hard. And Casey, you always give so much love here. And Jared, thank you. You have a beautiful soul, Jared. Thank you. I was just reading an Angel and my sister's girlfriend. And Rick, thank you so much. And everybody here that, you know, we all have our stories. And that's what makes, that's why we're together and strong together. And Rick, you really touched my soul so my heart is smiling thank you for everybody Whew. bless you man bless you Trina. bless you rick like rick every time rick speaks it's not just educational uh it, he is a walking living cannabis testimony like he's always bearing his testimony about cannabis and was walking and, and driving that path before, before I, it ever came into my life. So yes. And, and Trina and, and hmm, yeah, cause you know me, I'm about to get personal before I do, do end cannabis church with a prayer and, and, you know, it's a prayer for myself. If anyone feels like, you know, it's for them too, then yes, bless you. But uh, Trina, I, I get it. You know, my dad died when I was nine of cancer. And then my grandpa after that. Uh, and what Damien was talking, how cannabis helps with appetite. Uh, I lost my friend Annabelle. She was only, she was only 19 or 20 when uh, they, you know, found the cancer and it aggressed so fast because it was one of those 
really rare stages that only kids have and have been growing in her entire life. Uh, and it was my job to go over there and be the blabbermouth I am and distract her mother long enough while her boyfriend could get her high just so she could take her pills, let alone even try to eat. So, you know, it, it is, a, it, it is cannabis works in whatever way we need it to work with. And we need the independence and the freedom of cannabis for all of us to have that choice, to have that choice. That's literally all we're asking for. And that's all everyone in the first cannabis room on green room is working together as a community talking about openly in ways. Holy shit. I didn't expect 20 years ago when I started smoking and just getting high. But that's what the holy cannabis plant does. It heals, heals the water, heals the dirt, heals the air, heals the planet, heals the community, heals each other, heals our inner best self, helps us find that. I've witnessed mental breakthroughs on here live. I've witnessed some of the deepest, most patient, wonderful conversations of people just bearing their souls here, not in coming to the church. Not the, I'm holding a cannabis church. What does that tell you about this community right here? This is cannabis church. Welcome to the first cannabis church on the first cannabis room on Green Room. We're live right now. And this is being recorded for my podcast later, but like we're live right now. There's people who have been here for, with me for the last two hours, bearing their souls. And that's what we do daily here, 24 7. Thanks to the cannabis makers. Thanks to Rick. Thanks to Jared. Thanks to everyone that's up here on stage that comes up here in different time zones around the world to help run the show and help be a part of the show and just are constantly contributing and connecting and sharing their connection with the cannabis plant that connects us all. And, and I get it, Trina. Today's the two-year anniversary of my sister's overdose. I wish, I wish we were allowed to talk openly in my family about it to maybe get her off the alcohol and the pills so that maybe she was just having conversations with me, watching her favorite TV shows and getting high and not having a hangover and going back to work the next day and maybe helping her with the mental help she needed her entire life so that she didn't overdose. And the pain of my father, that comes and goes in waves. Waves of emotions for the rest of your life. That's and God bless everyone who's never lost a family member or friend. You are blessed. But those of us in pain that can barely get out of bed, that's lucky to be doing the cannabis church right now. It's not a lifestyle. It's medicine. It's freedom. It's independence from my pain. But that's all we're here doing and asking for. And we're not really asking anymore, are we, Rick? We're telling them. We're coming here. We're doing it. We don't need your permission, right? It's not just an American right that we talk about, the freedom to protect our friends, ourselves, and our family. It's a universal freedom. So get your sacrament ready. Thanks for coming to the first Cannabis Church. I'm your minister of cannabis, Casey. 
and I'm going to pray for myself and the bowl I'm about to smoke while I just sit back and enjoy to see where the conversation goes from here. Thank you, universe, for cannabis, for this new family I found at the first cannabis room, a green room, which came right when I needed, like always. I'm blessed. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. I'm out of words to describe the amount of love and joy I found in this green, safe space with a new family. Nobody's taking me serious, universe. I know you see what's going on because you brought all these amazing people into my life. And I've always trusted the universe because I know you want me to be happy. Even when I'm getting in my own damn way. So, bless this next little nug. Make it all delicious and good. To feed my soul, get me relaxed. So we can chill and stay high and stay happy. The way cannabis was intended. And I can use it to heal my body, my mind, my spirit. Maybe, hopefully, one day my family. Amen. This place is yours. Thanks for being to the First Cannabis Church. See you next Sunday. love brother thank you so much i really appreciate you uh providing this space for everybody um trina i love you lady i really feel for you i send everything out to your family just not something somebody should deal with and uh yeah we love you man i'm really glad to see you here and thank you for opening up and releasing with us i know that's really important uh in the process so much love